Dream big. Start small. But most of all, start. Simon Sinek. Welcome to All Means All. I'm Carolyn O'Hearn. And I'm Sarah Perglosi. We are two inclusive education enthusiasts striving to shift mindsets, challenge the status quo, and open more doors for all students in all settings, all of the time. So just like the quote from Simon said right in the beginning, you know, we have all these big dreams. And I think all of the episodes that we've had of this podcast so far have really focused on knowing better. And as you guys all know, uh, my favorite quote, my favorite phrase from Maya Angelou is, when we know better, we do better. And that is, you know, harping into my own language. So we we know better by now. This many episodes in, we know better. But let's really focus on how we can do better. Um, and I think part of it, and I know Sarah and I recognized when we were at South by Southwest EDU a couple weeks ago, is there's still a long way we have yet to go in order to make sure that um, our communities are inclusive and our schools are inclusive and at home we have changed mindsets and growth mindsets and not just fixed mindsets. So I think the the problem arises is when we try to do everything all at once and we know, Zara, we know that this is a recipe for disaster. So going from, I'm just going to change, I'm going to do everything all at once tomorrow, um, it might be great for a couple days, right? Maybe a couple weeks if you're really that motivated and into it, but something's going to come up and things are going to fall back and you might return back to those old habits. And here at All Means All, that is the last thing we want. We would rather have baby steps towards big changes than have all of you listeners realize, oh, I'm going to make all these changes all for it to fizzle out in, you know, a short time. So I was reading um, Atomic Habits and really the framework there for making these small changes last is to make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it, make it satisfying. So hopefully, if we put all of those four things into play, whatever change we're trying to make will be long-lasting. So for this episode, Sarah and I have divided different communities of people, different groups. Um, and so we're going to talk about educators, families, the community, and administrators. And we're just going to give you three quick little tidbits, three ideas of um, of where to get started. What are those baby steps? So Sarah, will you kick it off for us on, on what to do for educators? Yeah, for sure. So if I'm an educator and I'm really thinking, okay, now I know better, how do I do better? Uh, one of the things is grow your network. Find other people both internally um, to your organization who are passionate about the things that you are passionate about, who are excited, who maybe you aspire to be, um, and surround yourselves with them. I was talking to a group of educators this morning where they were saying, you know, sometimes I'm the one, the one person in my district and it feels so isolating. Then grow your network, grow that professional learning network externally. Um, so on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can find Carolyn and I, along with a bunch of really phenomenal people, uh, over on Twitter uh, using the hashtag ATChat. 
There's also hashtag UDL chat and again, hashtag commune and then AT. Uh, this has been a really great opportunity for both of us, I think, personally to grow our network um, and to really just be challenged with different ideas in a different space. It's okay if you're new to Twitter. It's super simple. Trust me, I am brand new to Twitter as well. Uh, so beyond growing our network, really thinking about universal design for learning and how can we ensure that we're building those options into classrooms for all students. Uh, so thinking a little bit differently and again, having those conversations with others who are in your organization who also see the benefit. And Carolyn, we've talked, we've shared Derek Sivers, how to start a movement, um, but really start to grow that excitement. And so find somebody who can be that first follower or if there's somebody in your organization that you can get behind, um, do so. And you're gonna start to, to shift that, that way of thinking. Uh, and beyond that, Carolyn, all good plans, all good ideas uh, can sometimes be lost in just the hustle and bustle of life. And so find a way to pause, to imagine and dream what you want that future to look like for you, for your students, for your district. And then step down and think, what are the first three things I need to do? And again, who are those people that are going to inspire you to keep going? Because we've talked about this a lot on our podcast. This work is hard and it's messy and it's challenging. And we need to make sure that we have a community that surrounds us and encourages us to keep going. Uh, so Carolyn, those are some educator ideas, but I'd love to hear how does this pertain to families? Yeah. And those are some really great educator ideas. And I was thinking about, you know, what if, if I were still in a school, what would I be doing next? And here's what I've got for you for family ideas. The first one is to really try to resist labeling. And by that, I mean like low function or high functioning, really getting away from labeling something about your child um, that may have nothing to do with who they are as a person and their personality and their potential even. Um, so steering clear from using low functioning or high functioning um, and really those yeah buts. Sarah and I often talk about yeah buts. Um, these are those moments where you're like, yeah, but my kid, he doesn't speak verbally or my kid's in a wheelchair. Yeah, but um, my child you know, needs quiet environments. These are all things to consider when we're, when we're thinking about the next steps and, and how we can make changes. So we don't want to discredit them completely, but we don't want to make these yeah buts the complete barrier um, to what we're trying to do. Uh, another opportunity or another idea goes back to what Sarah said about the educators um, and finding and growing their network. But really, as families, we need to find and grow our communities and our networks as well. So Michigan Alliance for Families often has webinars. Um, their calendar is chock full. So if you're here in Michigan, um, I highly encourage you to go to michiganallianceforfamilies.org and really figure out which upcoming webinars fit in with your schedule and what topics really relate to you, um, you'll start to notice similar names and faces of people who come to the same webinars. Um, reach out to them, connect with them. Hey, I saw you at the last webinar. I'd love to connect with you. Or, hey, I heard you made a comment about your teenage son. I also have a teenage son. Could we connect over coffee or could we just hop on a quick phone call and, and chat? Um, I know 
There are PAC meetings as well. Most districts have PAC meetings, and I highly encourage you to, to head that way as well. You'll That's where you'll find a lot of parents who are um, active with their their own families and their, as well as um, connecting with the, the school as well. So connect with the PAC meetings. Um, and share your story. I think that's the other thing too is is when when you feel your time is right, and um, we're not saying just jump in and, and feel uncomfortable with it, but when you feel your time is right, share your story about who you are and who your child is and what you see for them and, and where you want to go and what you might need support with. Um, because if you don't ask, you those supports won't, won't come out. Um, and then the third idea for families is directly asking how to do better. So we could ask our child how we can be better. We could ask the school how could we be better. Um, Sarah and I just had a conversation the other day uh, uh, that involved us answering, well, what does that person need to be successful? Ask them directly. I think so often as educators or as family members, we just, we zip around the person who's directly impacted by whatever changes we're making. So ask them what they need, what supports would be helpful, or how we could improve next time, how we could be better. Um, and same thing with schools, right? Hey, we're doing this at home, or we're seeing these behaviors at home. Could What do you do at school that's different, or how could we replicate what's going on at school at home so there's some consistency? Um, again, if you don't ask, you won't know. Um, so thinking of school again, um, we're heading back. Now we're thinking of administrators. And so Sarah, I'm going to put it to you. If an admin is listening or if an educator is listening or a family member is listening who wants to go talk to their administrator, what are some little changes that can add up over time for admin? So it's going to piggyback off on a lot of what we both just talked about. Uh, but the first is to really create spaces for, for people to connect. So one, that means educators to be able to sit and connect with other educators, to be able to talk about their practices, to dive deep into instructional practices. Once they know better, they want to do better. So giving them the space to connect and have those conversations. But not just educators with educators, creating spaces and environments where families' voices are heard where we're listening to our students, where we're asking them those questions that you were just talking about and really having authentic conversations. A lot of that comes down to, I as an administrator have an expectation that we, that I am gonna hold myself accountable to ensure that there are spaces for my, my people, my families, my students, my educators to connect. And more than that, that I'm also creating this culture of vulnerability and risk-taking. I think so often we talk about evaluation and, and it puts everything in this high stakes that if an administrator walks into a classroom, it feels evaluative. And what we really know is that we need to be able to take risks. We need to be able to, to practice new strategies without having to be you know, the fidelity police on day one. And so creating as an administrator, a culture where staff can, can take that risk, can evaluate the risk, make sure that yes, it is working. And if not, we should shift practices, but also having that expectation and that accountability piece that we, the onus is on us. Carolyn, you mentioned that, yeah, but um, we hear that a lot from educators. Yeah, but the student is too low. Yeah, but that's not the way the system is designed. 
as an administrator, we have the ability to say, okay, one, um, you guys, that is something that I know Carolyn and I talk about a lot is this idea of yeah, buts is really a mindset. And so it's shifting that mindset and it's holding people accountable to do better. Um, and part of that is gaining input. So we want to talk to a variety of stakeholders and ask them, you know, what's next? This is where we're at right now as a district. This is what we're doing, but what's next? And what's that next piece and who might we need to hear from? Because we've learned, I think throughout the last few years, every time we hear from a different perspective, it challenges me to do better. It gives me that emotional why of why do I continue pushing forward and pushing past barriers that often come up. And so Carolyn, we've talked a lot about administration and about schools, but really our students exist in the community. So what could this look like for members in the community? Yeah, I think when you were talking about the stakeholders just a few minutes ago, I think the the community is often a group of stakeholders who are overlooked or they're invited to join the conversation that's largely facilitated by educators and not, it's not a dialogue. It's not a two-way street, if you will. So for uh, those out in the community, so let's say you, you are simply at a store or maybe you own a restaurant or you own the store or you're just at the playground, um, read up on how communities are becoming safe, inclusive places. We have a lot of really amazing neighborhoods here in Michigan where the playgrounds are becoming more accessible, um, both for communication, you know, you can see the core boards everywhere, but then also making the playground accessible for those in wheelchairs or with physical mobility issues. So I think just reading about how we can be more inclusive as a community, do do the groundwork, start that, and then also find somebody to share that with. And like maybe talk to the Board of Education, maybe talk to the mayor, maybe talk to somebody who, who has some pull as far as, you know, when the next um, playground is going to be designed or when the next building is going to be built with stores to make sure that they're accessible um, to everyone, really. Um, and the next is to talk to someone uh, with a disability. Again, you really don't know what's going on until you talk to someone who's experiencing this. So you need to talk to somebody with a disability and hear their perspective. Um, talk to them about what their challenges have been, what they've overcome. Talk to them about environments that they really felt included and and how we can maybe replicate that. Go out and just talk to people. And then the third one is um, more about social media and about your online presence. And as a community, um, if you have a Twitter or you have a Facebook or if you have a website, Make sure you are alt texting your images. Uh, Make sure that you're thinking about color contrast. Make sure that you are really thinking about what your text says. Is it legible? Um, If if it's underlined, it might look like it's a link. So are people gonna accidentally click on the underline? I know I've done that a whole lot now. Um, So really thinking about that accessibility piece. And so I encourage you, if you have a website or you are active on social media to read up on on how to be more accessible um, with those platforms. Really, I think what it comes down to is, is working together. It's this collaboration. You as an individual can make little changes over time, but you as a collective can make little changes that add up to something even larger and something that's even more sustainable. So 
I'm going to send it over to Sarah to give us our closing remarks. But think about that as far as, you know, what, what, how do we need to work together? We don't exist in silos. The work that we do as an educator, as a parent, um, you know, as a student or an administrator, as a member of the community, we need to reach out and build our networks. We need to find ways to, to cross those paths and to continue encouraging each other to push forward and to always ask, like, what's next? So if not now, why? And then what's next? What's that next step? So as you guys have been listening to this, I hope you've been thinking about what is it that you want to imagine happening in your area? How do you want to improve the educational system to to make your communities more inclusive, to build that homeschool partnership? And then as you're ending this, pause and think about what is the first thing that you're going to do to start moving you towards that dream, that vision, that goal? What can you do today that's going to help make that a reality?